As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Today, my featured guest is Dr. Michael Jaquith. He is a PhD chemist who left the corporate world and now helps men everywhere discover how to live a more meaningful and fulfilling life. Certified through the Life Coach School, he combines cutting-edge science and coaching expertise with the time-honored teachings of the faith. Michael is married with six children and lives in rural North Idaho, USA. Michael, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Absolutely. Joseph, thanks for having me on first and foremost. But let me give you a little more flavor, guys and gals, of where I'm coming from. So I grew up in this northern Michigan, poor little family. My dad is very abusive. In fact, by the time we get to sixth grade, it's discovered what he's been doing to my younger sister, and he goes to jail for 10 years. So I go off into high school. I'm angry. And the shame starts building. You know, I was a jerk going through this. I was angry. I was hurt. And so I lash out. And what do the other high schoolers do? They point their fingers right back at that. So I get out of high school. I'm like, I'm going to change everything. I want nothing to do with where I came from. I ditch behind that sort of pseudo process stuff that I grew up with because that's not working. It didn't work for my parents, clearly. And so I pursue the church of hedonism, chasing pleasure wherever I can find it. Go up through college. I'm like, you know what? Maybe my dad's problem was he didn't make enough money. So I go get my doctorate. I figured that'll solve the problem, right? All this time I'm chasing the ladies, doing everything I can. I'm drinking, compromising myself with ladies, stuff I would do. I'd wake up the next morning, just feel so ashamed. And this shame just keeps building and building. And eventually I decide that's it. I'm going to change. I convert. I have my moment of coming to Jesus, right? I meet this beautiful woman. I get married. I'm like, aha, all my problems are behind me, right? Well, as regular listeners know full well, that's not how life works. And I get married. It turns out, you know, I'm sure you know this and everyone knows this. When you get married, it's not like when you're in college. There are differences. Real woman, you've got to connect with them and learn how to share yourself with them, be vulnerable with them. And, you know, it turns out I didn't have any of those skills at all, except for I didn't know that I didn't have them. And I remember I'm in church, just set the stage. I'm in church. I've got my one-year-old daughter and she's just screaming and doing what one-year-olds do. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not hurting, I'm not holding her just tight so she doesn't smack anyone. We're in the cry room and someone else is watching. You can tell that I'm angry. This guy comes up to me, right? The next Sunday. And he says, you know, Michael, my name is Ben. We don't really know each other. Someone else helped me when I was in your situation. Here's a flash drive. Here's my business card. Listen to some talks. 
give me a call. We'll talk about it. And that was the introduction to my coaching. Now I went off, I'm still big corporate world. I'm actually very successful in the corporate research world. Like I was making some good money, quickly being promoted and it all starts falling apart there too. Same problem. When you can't show up and authentically connect to people, it doesn't work. So I, I lose my group. My boss pulls me off the side, says, hey, let's try this again. And then he becomes a coach. And I got these two coaches, one from the religious side, one from the practical side. Fast forward another 10 years. And I'm like, I'm done with this research business. Can't handle working for the man. Want to go entrepreneurial. What do I want to do? Give back the same way for those who helped me get here myself. Mm. All right. I think we're done here, BC Nation. I think we're done. He just summed up everything. Listen, that was really, man. Just hearing these stories, like how God moves in our lives, even when we're running away from him. It's you so know, true. it's Adam and Eve, man, all over again, just repeated, right? In all these lives. It's like we mess up, we 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 listen to the lies of the enemy about who God actually is how he's holding back stuff from us. He's not a good father. You can't trust him. Go get it on your own. Become self-reliant. That's the way you could be like God. And what do we do? We bite the apple. We go for it out in the world. We bite all the apples, you know, and then we find out we got lied to. And we're the prodigal son living in a pigsty with nothing. Empty on the inside, sometimes also on the outside in my own story. And hopefully we come back to our senses like I did and Michael did BC Nation, hopefully you have, or you're on your way. And God just opens his arms, the prodigal father. And we finally see him for the first time as he is, a loving dad, forgiving, merciful, wanting to restore us, give us our ring of authority back over his kingdom, his household. Even though we feel unworthy, we screwed everything up. Man, it's the same story repeated in every human life. Michael, am I wrong or am I right? You're so right. I could go into details. I've repeated it multiple times, even though that same sequence, that's just the way it works. You know, even after I was married, I, there, you know, some full confession here, Joseph, I fell back into pornography use after I was married because and then the same cycle, jump back into that pigsty and crawl my way back out of it again. Come back to the father one more time. And he put on another ring, gave me another set of sandals and another cloak. I don't know how he gets so many of these rings, brother. I don't know where they all come from. <laughs> He's got a porn star in heaven, man. We got rings. We got watches, colognes. What do you want? Michael, let's go there for a second. You get married. You fall back into sin, lust, porn, all of it, right? That's adultery, as Jesus says. Hey, if you lust after a woman in your mind, you're, you're committing adultery against your own wife there. You know, how did you reconcile that? How did you, because normally men, we get a lot of guilt and shame around that. Yeah, and do. then the enemy just crushes us in those rocks. We don't want to go back to God, right? Because we think he's going to just condemn us. How'd you get back up, man? You know, it was really hard because at first you're so right. That guilt, that shame, I felt this overpowering desire to hide it. And, you know, again, I, I'm really good at hiding things if I need to, you know, and so I can hide all sorts of stuff. I hide chocolates to my wife around the house and then I have to give her clues because she can't find them. And so in this phase of life, though, so a couple of things happened to me. And so I was in therapy for this 
And one of the things I realized is that myself, and I think this is a very common experience, because of how I was brought up in my home, I never learned to accept love in any other way than physical contact and ultimately then expressed through sexuality. And so all the time when I was going through high school, college, graduate school, chasing ladies, I was searching for love. I got married. I thought, finally, here's one woman that will love me ever as much as I want, right? Well, turns out that that's not really God's view of what sex is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be unending sex so that a guy who's kind of broken can feel loved for the first time. And when I looked at that way, all of a sudden I was able to shift the perspective a little bit and see myself as this poor little Michael who beat down all the way through, never had nothing else there. And it was almost like this, my next moment with God was him looking at me and seeing my brokenness and knowing that, well, it doesn't justify my actions at all. I'm not trying to justify them in the slightest bit. What it does is it brings some empathy to understand I ended up here because I didn't know anything else. And the challenge then becomes, how do I, God's forgiven me. You know, as a Catholic, I go to confession. Um, God has forgiven me. How do I now forgive myself? Because if I want to actually get the real relationship with my wife, I've got to forgive myself too. And that, that was a tough period to go through, but I think it's, it's so critical. I agree with you completely on that. I think the first, uh, one of the first steps back to God is having compassion for yourself as much as God has compassion for you, right? So allow God to like forgive you. That's the first part. And some of us, we get to that step. We take that step. We run back because we're so broken and bottomed down, lost everything. We're like, God, please forgive me. I screwed up, right? But then we refuse to forget our, forgive ourselves. You know, it's like such yeah. a big next step. And some of us never get through it for 10, 20, 30, 50 years. But you got to go through that, BC Nation, the same way Michael said he went through that. He had compassion on himself. He saw, man, I'm just a little broken boy who never grew up, and I'm just stuck in this adult male body. But, man, I got some serious healing that needs to happen here. Otherwise, you're carrying that brokenness into your marriage. Now you become a parent. Now you're raising kids, and you're still a broken little boy yourself. Like, I get it, man. was there. So what was the next step, right? So you ask God for forgiveness, you receive his forgiveness. Then you ask yourself for forgiveness. You have compassion on yourself. You receive forgiveness for yourself. Then what? Well, then Is I've that got it? to start. Oh, oh, it's never it. The adventure never ends. We know that. So then I've got to start learning how to actually love my wife. Who is she? What does it mean to be her? How is she as a woman? What is her feminine genius? Like, how do I engage her in a way that creates the beginnings of real love? And I got to be you know, honest with you here. It's not easy. Turns out that women and men actually are different. It's maybe a mind-blowing to some people listening, but probably not most. And so as I go into this process, there's one thing that really struck me. As I was able to give compassion to myself, I became way better able to give compassion to others, to mm -hmm. my wife, to my children, to my employees, to my boneheaded boss at this point in the story, who was just quite possibly the world's worst boss. Love him to death, but no, he, was, he had some challenges of his own. And as I start going into this process, instead of a contest of like a grappling for control with God of like, I'm going to grab this and make it happen because this is what I need. And you don't know that it became more of a dynamic growth environment of saying, yeah, there's still ups, there's still downs. Like it still hurts sometimes. But what can I do with that? Like how do I turn that into something that can grow into a deeper and more powerful fruit?
Okay. So at that point, you started to have compassion for others now because you first had it for yourself. So you're starting to see them for who they are. Like, how'd you figure out your wife, man? I know you got a PhD and like some research stuff, right? So like, is that what you use? So you're like, my wife, I'm going to research her. I'm going to figure out every little nuance about her. Did you make her the project of your research? Or like, how'd you do this for all the men out there listening that like, man, I want to know who my wife really is, but man, she, she won't let me in. Well, I got some good news for you. I got some bad news for you. The, the good news for you is you don't need a PhD to start figuring out your wife. The bad news is that process never ends. My grandparents, uh, my grandfather just passed. They were married for 75 years. God love them. And I remember when they'd been married for 74, I was talking to my grandmother about it. And she said, you know, there's still things he does that surprise me, still things that are new every day. So it's always a new cur- new, new challenge. But, you know, I think the biggest thing there really is most of our wives are desperate for a real emotional connection. And most of us men are desperate for that and don't know it. And so I think for me, the biggest thing I have found, I get the best connection, the best way to understand where she's at when I take that risk. And this literally just happened yesterday. Yesterday, we had a little bit of a squabble. We had this new puppy dog. There's some stuff going on. Details don't matter. We came back an hour later. I said, look, here's what's going on for me. When this happened, I felt this way. And then this happened and I felt this way. And then this happened. And I'm showing them like, look, this isn't necessarily a reasonable response, but this is just what happened inside me. And then she was able to calm down and be like, oh, okay. I kind of see where you're coming from with that. I see why that might be important to you in that sense. And that connection is possible because I took that first step. And I, I think this is one of the calls for men everywhere is men. It's up to us to take that first step. Paul's writings are so clear. Like if you are the headship of the marriage, you got to go first and you got to make that step. And it sucks but it's the only way. Man, I so agree with this. BC Nation and my own coaching, right? Working with my clients. You know, I define leadership in three words. You go first. You go first. That's what it looks like. Jesus, the ultimate leader of all of humanity, he went first, right? He said, hey, see that cross? Watch me. This is how you do it. Now take up yours and follow me, right? So he went first and as husbands, Hey, listen, you're going to answer to God at the end of your life, brother. Like, did you bring your wife with you? Did you bring your kids with you? Or did you leave them somewhere behind because it got too hard? Or you didn't know how? And you refused to ask for help like Michael did at multiple times in his life where he took on coaches and I've taken on coaches. Are you too prideful that you just won't ask for help because you're trying to look like you have it all figured out? Meanwhile, you're headed off a cliff and you're dragging your family with you. Yeah, I'm speaking to you, brother. Like that's, this is the thing, man. You got to connect with them in a way where they feel loved so that they follow you. But you first have to be being led by God, right? And then you go first. You go first, man. Bring your brokenness to him like Michael did. Michael, so like, how do you connect with the wife, man? You just, you just share your vulnerability like you just shared in that story? Is that the, that's the secret? And then you just oh, practice it until you suck less or what? That's the start. But yeah, everything's practiced till you suck less. I think another really important thing you got to talk about is be willing to be uncomfortable. I think for us guys, you know, we have this idea that we're supposed to have it all put together. You know, a man's man would know what to do, right? And he'd have it all figured out. And then when we show up with our wives and we're vulnerable, all of a sudden, wait a second, I don't have it all figured out. And I don't know what's going on. And I didn't show up perfect. And there's an uncomfortableness that comes there. But I think it's the second half here too. You know, I've been doing a little bit of reading about 
how women's brains work throughout my time, trying to understand my wife a little better. And one of the things that women love is a guy with dreams and aspirations and the desire to go get it. It almost doesn't even matter what it is. The research says it doesn't have to be to make $10 million. It can just simply be to change this part of the world with a nonprofit. But that dream, that passion, that fervor, women want to know what that is and they want to be part of it. For those who've seen the movie, The Greatest Showman, you know, there's this great song where the wife sings where whatever it's gonna be, just have me there with you. And I think that's another really key piece. If you want a dynamic, engaged relationship with your wife, you've got to include her in your hopes and dreams. And maybe not every dream. Like I'll choose an example. Like I love hunting elk. I love walking through the mountains, going up 6,000 feet, whatever, shooting elk. She doesn't enjoy that. That's okay. That's one dream I have by myself. But the dreams with the kids, the dreams with the businesses, the dreams with the homes, the in-laws, we have all these dreams we've laid out. And those are one of the things that really help bind us together as well. You know, what you're talking about is risky for men. Oh, absolutely. You're asking them to share their dreams with their wife and put at risk her agreeing with the dreams, her poo-pooing the dreams, her locking and loading a shotgun and shooting down those dreams if she doesn't support them. Like that, that takes something for a man to do that. So how does a man do that successfully if he's got that fear that she may not see the dreams that he sees, the way he sees them. I think there's two parts to that. I think if you have a really big dream and you chase it, you think you're gonna get there if your wife's opposed to it, whether she knows about it initially or not, she's <laughs> gonna figure it out. Like we married smart women and they're very intuitive guys. Your wives know so much more about what's going on inside you than you probably think. Women are just so intuitive, they pick up at that. But here's the other thing. Let's say, you, let's say that happens. You go up to your wife and you say, here's my dream. I want to build this gigantic 100-foot tall statue of myself right here in front of my house. And ah. she's going to laugh like, like Joseph just did. Be like, that's utterly ridiculous. Okay, maybe she's right. But here's my invitation to you. What's the real thing you want? What's underneath that layer? Why is it you want that? And maybe, maybe it's something deeper of, you know, my heart has just moved that my really want is to for everyone to know the truth about the Lord, for everyone to encounter Christ. And maybe they'll be so looking at this stupid statue and the first thing they'll say, why would you do that? And they'll read the fine print that says, this is to give glory to God. And that's how I think the best way to give glory to God is. And then she might say, oh, okay, I love the intention. Maybe let's refine the dream a little bit, right? But that deeper piece is key because sharing the why behind the dream gives her a chance to connect in line. And maybe, just maybe, she might even have a slightly better idea. And her better idea, gentlemen, is go out there. Don't carve a statue of yourself. Carve a statue of her. That's her idea. <laughs> it's beautiful. All right. Listen, I like what you just said there, man, because you said don't just share your dreams with your wife. Share your why behind your dreams with your wife. That's where she's going to connect. And then she will co-dream with you and possibly help develop your dream a little better where maybe it's a little more realistic or maybe she sees something you haven't accounted for, right? She sees an impending doom or a pitfall that you didn't see. And now you see it together and you can avoid that, right? And, and go achieve that dream together. So Michael, really cool stuff, man. So like, we're going to make this episode and you and I didn't script this. We didn't know what we'd be talking about today. We surrendered it to God and said, Holy Spirit, lead us. But we're talking about... We're talking with Michael uh, Jayquith. He's a doctor. He's got a PhD. This guy's he's he's an awesome dude, and he's a Catholic life coach for men. 
right? And uh, we're talking about how to connect with your wife before it's too late. Before it's too late, whatever that looks like in your life. I get to work with a lot of men that are two to three years away from a divorce. And they know it. They say that to me. And and some of them, I know the last guy, you know, I just brought on board and, and he was, I was like, bro, if you continue on this track that you just described to me, man, you get, you're like five to 10 years away from a divorce. He goes, no, I'm two to three years away. Like he, he sees it clearly, but I'm like, so what are you going to do about it? He's like, I don't know. Like, it's like I'm driving with the car in gear and I, my brakes don't work. I'm just headed over the cliff. I don't know how to stop. I, the steering wheel is locked. I can't even turn. What do I do? So many of men are in that position. You're headed off a cliff with your wife and kids and you can't hit the stop it. You can't, you don't know what to do. So Michael, what do you say to that man listening right now that's in that position? I'd say get help, man, because the truth is you don't know what to do because it's, it's outside your power. We weren't meant to do this alone. And, you know, I, I use an analogy when you're down in the mud and everything is grimy, you can't see anywhere. And for all you know, there could be a beautiful spring one hill over, but you're so far down in the mud, you can't see it. And that's where having a coach is so powerful. The coach is he's not in the mud there. He's got himself a good flashlight. And he's like, hey, look, there's hope over here. How about let's check this over here? And the guy in the mud's like, no, it looks the same to me. It looks the same. The coach, let's just try it. Take crawl a little ways, crawl a little ways. And that is so helpful. And that's been such a factor in my life. You know, I've mentioned a couple of different coaching engagements I've had. I've had coaching engagements through my entire life of one form or another mentorship. And each time the guy who's come into my life has offered me a perspective that I could not see for myself. And that is so critical. Like guys, we have this idea. I'm a macho man. I can do it for myself. I'm like Rocky. I'm just going to get up and do my training. I'm going to go in and punch a pile in the face, right? Except it doesn't work that way in real life. Rocky had a trainer too. And why is it that so many of us, because we're so successful in other areas, think we should automatically be successful in every area. And look at me, I got a sticking PhD in chemistry. I know how to do hard work. I know how to think. And then as soon as that pornography thing comes up and snipes me, I'm as blind as a bat. I don't know how to get out of that, right? And it's not a statement that I'm somehow less of a man to say that I need help because all of us need help and God made it that way. Mm. God made us for union and communion with him and with others. We're not meant to do the lone wolf, bro. Brother, if you're listening right now and you got these rocks that I call them the head trash, right? And you're headed off the cliff. Most likely you're doing it alone. You're keeping your wife out of your struggles. Like that. Yeah, wanna, yeah go for it. I just want to throw in there. Sometimes, you know, while I love our wives, there are some things I think our wives can't be our coaches for. And I think, you know, sometimes we need somebody else. Sometimes it's another guy. The Proverbs talks about this, obviously, you know, this, this idea that I want to be able to share with my wife, but if there's something I'm really, really struggling with, sometimes it's too dangerous for me to share it with her until I've kind of worked it through a little bit. Like maybe if I'm really angry at her, that's a common scenario where having another guy to bounce off to get some perspective, then you can go back to your wife and say, Hey, honey, I want to confess to you that I've been struggling with anger towards you. And here's where I think it's coming from. And I'm committed to changing. And here's what I want to put in its place. Now, that's a great conversation to have here with your wife. But our wives, as awesome as they are, they're not meant to be our medics and our coaches. <laughs> All right. That's some important advice for you gentlemen listening right now. Okay. If especially like don't ask your wife to fix a problem or give you advice on the problem if in your mind, she is the problem. 
exactly. Okay, if you're having a conflict in your marriage with your wife, she's not your coach. Go get some outside external advice or perspective to help you see clearly. Bro, I remember this. I got COVID really bad, right? I got that Delta variant or whatever when it was out. And nine different husbands at my church all got it within the same like two to three day period. And we were all down for like six to seven days bedridden, bedridden, right? And these are top attorneys and all these other very high achieving men. And we're all in bed. We didn't know we were all down at the same time. It was all retrospect. We found out after. But we're all struggling the same way. And I felt like I was dying, like dying. And I'm getting all these attacks because we had just brought my new baby home, my son, right? He was one week old. We had brought him back from the hospital. It was a traumatic delivery. So my immune system was weak and I caught COVID, right? So I'm down and I'm in bed. I'm so weak. I can't get up, Michael. I can't even get up. I couldn't even lift my one and a half year old daughter up to put her in her crib. I just couldn't do it. I had no physical strength, right? And I remember the enemies whispering in my, my mind, look at you. What kind of father are you? You can't even be there for your daughter. You can't even lift her up. You're a joke. Yeah. Now you're going to raise another kid? Like, Dude, you can't even do one successfully, let alone two. And you're planning on having more children? Man, you shouldn't have any more kids, right? And all these lies kept coming in. And I was so ill, physically ill, that I didn't recognize I was being spiritually attacked. I didn't recognize it. And I remember my wife came in finally and I needed a Gatorade desperately, <laughs> hydration. And she was down with two babies, right? Happen, nursing and stuff. And... And she took forever to come upstairs. At least it felt that way. And I got so angry at her. Angry. Like, I'm dying up here. Can't you see I'm dying? What kind of wife are you? You can't even get me a Gatorade? I texted you, you know, so long ago. And I made her my enemy in my brain. I didn't know. But I'm in this weak state. The enemy's like, look at her. What kind of wife is she? Right? And then he starts putting in those lies. So I texted my buddy for sympathy. And I was like, bro, my wife, she's this, but that. I just need a Gatorade. And I remember outside perspective was crucial. He texts me back. He goes, bro, your wife's not the enemy. You're being attacked. Your marriage is being attacked by the enemy. Fight back. Your wife has already given you her entire life. She owes you nothing, let alone a, de- a Gatorade. Fight the enemy, not her. And I was like, what? And I'm reading this. And I was like, whoa, I'm being attacked. I didn't know it. But man, then right there, I surrendered it to God, the anger, all this stuff, and the enemy ran. And I won that battle, but I would have lost it. And I remember when I came a little bit back to my senses, I asked my wife for forgiveness. I said, honey, I was being attacked. I'm sorry I was snippy with you, blah, blah, blah. So just an example from my own life where sometimes as men, we're completely outside of our own control and our ability to save ourselves. We have no strength in the, the struggle. And we need that outside perspective to give us clarity. Hey, you're being attacked. Arm up. Go to God. 
So I just want to share that with you, Michael. Is that what we're talking about here today? Oh, absolutely. It's such a great story. And thank you for sharing that. I think we all have that. You know, we all get some spot. You know, it's so funny how you were saying that for my church, it was all of us at Elk Camp. We all got COVID together and we all went home. And so we all knew we each other had it. And it's the same thing. It's so it was when you're down, every little thing feels like the end of the world. And when you're up, you look at the same stuff. You're like, what's the big deal? It's a Gatorade. What's the big deal? It's just not even a thing, right? But that, that, that perspective, it's as a human being, we are just so fickle and we come in we go out of perspectives and all that. And without somebody else out there to be like, hey, dude, it's still just a Gatorade. It's really hard. It's really hard. All right, Michael, I want to ask you something here, man, because you shared a lot of vulnerable stuff with you. First off, how are you so confident in sharing your mess when so many men around the world are not? You know, I, I think the biggest stuff thing is that the only, two parts, really. First off, I've come to realize we all have a mess. Mm-hmm. Every guy out there, every woman too, but if you're a woman, go work with my wife. She's a life coach for, for women. Um, but every single human being out there has a mess, all right? And trying to pretend it's not there doesn't help anything. But number two, the more I share it, the more I become that, share that post myself, the more healing I get. Even now, I, I tell you what, here's a funny story, Joseph. The other day, uh, maybe six months ago, my wife wanted to buy some underwear and her phone wasn't working. So I tossed my phone. She goes on Amazon, she buys some underwear. Whatever, I didn't think nothing of it. Well, all of a sudden, next time I log on to Amazon, all the preloaded reviews, everyone's like, what happened here? And so I said to her, look, you know, I love you dearly, but I'd rather you not buy underwear on my Amazon account again. Nothing, you know, nothing bad there. And she totally understands, right? But I know I've got that weakness there, right? And that weakness will always be part of me. And so there's a lot of stuff I do about that. But the more I share about that, the more I'm willing to risk that, the more different opportunities I have to heal and for others to take hope and find healing as well. And to me, that's that's the game right there. I agree with you completely. I learned that when you bring your darkness, your mess into the light, it loses its power over you. So true. Every single time. That doesn't mean go sharing your deepest, darkest secrets with people that are not trustable with those secrets, okay? The don't don't do that, okay? That's why like some of these open confessions are like, whoa, that's a little dangerous, okay? All right. So we're speaking with Michael Jackwith Jaquith, and uh, Michael's just laying it out here for all you men listening right now. He's saying Listen, you want to connect with your wife in a way you've never connected before? Share what's going on on the inside of you with her, man. Share how you're struggling. Share how you don't have it all figured out. She doesn't either, by the way. She's going to connect with you right there. And she's going to be like, honey, isn't it amazing we get to do it together? You know, one thing I got to throw out there, and we live in a post-radical feminism world. So what I'm going to say here might be a little tiny bit abrasive to some, but I believe, and this is going to be a little bit based on theology, that women, especially wives, are desperate for their husbands to lead, are desperate for their husbands to go first, and that you don't have to get it perfect. But our wives, they want us to lead. And this is not about some sort of chauvinist perspective. This is just biology. All right. And so when a husband is willing to lead, he'll be shocked, even if he doesn't get it perfect, which hint, he won't. How eager his wife is to follow his lead, not maybe some tweaking, maybe some adjustment, but that she will feel more safe because he was willing to take that risk. I agree completely. Listen, men out there, I'm going to say it in a New York way. Okay. Fear no man. Fear no man. Bend your knee to no man. Fear only God. Bend your knee to God. Surrender to God. Surrender to no one else. 
when a wife, when a woman sees a man who surrenders to no one but bends a knee to God, she will follow him to the ends of the world. She will. Because she knows he's being led by the only one who is in control. She knows that. And so many of us, we're trying to lead ourselves rather than letting God lead us. And a woman sees that. She sees the navel gazing. She sees the self-centeredness and she doesn't feel safe. She knows eventually you're going to lead her off a cliff. She knows it. She senses it. She sees it. She's intuitive, like Michael says. That's why she's pushing back, pulling back, resisting some of your so-called pseudo-leadership because it's self-centered. It's about you, yourself, and I, right? It's, it's the unholy trinity. So, so really, like, put yourself in check there. Why is your wife resisting? It probably has something to do with who you're following. Are you following the world? Are you following the gurus? Or are you following Jesus Christ? Who are you following? Get clear on that. Then she'll follow you. All right, Michael, what do we leave out here, man? What a great conversation. What do you do to strengthen and deepen your faith, brother? You know, I think the biggest thing I would tell people to strengthen and deepen their faith is build good habits. And these habits are things like, what do I read in the morning? What do I read in the evening? When is my prayer time? I don't mean just going to church on Sunday. By all means, go to church on Sunday. But that ain't enough. If you give the Lord one hour on one day and give everything else where the enemy come flick picking you off, you're done. You're just done. And so instead, what habits do you build? What men's group are you part of? What kind of coach are you looking at? Where are you getting your information? Where are you consuming media? Like really look at that and be intentional about your life. And for myself, you know, I've got on my desk right over here, I've got my spiritual reading. I've got my Bible. I've always got some sort of self-help book I'm working through. And it doesn't have to be that for you, but find something where you know that what's coming into your body intellectually, emotionally, spiritually is building you to be that man. Because like, look, if someone goes out there and eats junk food all day long, we know what's going to happen to their body. And it's the same thing on the different levels, spiritual, intellectual, emotional. What are you bringing in? Build those habits. Put it on your calendar if you have to. Nothing wrong with putting the calendar. That doesn't mean weakness. Awesome. Michael, if you're being totally transparent right now, which you've been this whole episode, thank you for that. Where are you still resisting God in your life? You know, that's a good one there, Joseph. It's so ironic, actually, given that there's so much of this we've talked about marriage. And let me just throw one more kind of, you know, personal detail out there. My wife and I have struggled with a particular facet for years. And just recently, she was diagnosed with adult ADHD. And that's something that unfortunately, not a lot of people know about. And, and I also have to say that the name is probably one of the worst names ever. It's so misleading with how it comes out. And so the, the way that that plays out in a marriage is very different than how that plays out in school. And so we've got this diagnosis now it explains some of what's been going on, some of why some of what I've been doing doesn't work sometimes, even though all the books say it's supposed to. And so what I'm struggling with right now is I, I, in full confession here, just between you and me, I think I'm still a little mad at God that he let us go 12 years without knowing that this was here, this was a factor. You know, as we start treatment, she is transforming. She is so thrilled. I remember Joseph, she said to me, I don't want to do any treatment for this. Nothing could change. And the first time that she took a, a very low dose of a particular ADHD medication, she said, oh my gosh, it's like a different world. I'm looking at the fog has cleared. And I said, oh my gosh, there's the woman right there that I've been looking for for the past decade. And that right there the biggest thing i think i'm still struggling i think i'm still mad at god like god why why 12 years why couldn't you've given this to us you know at the beginning of the journey and how different would that have been 
And so that's something I'm still grappling with, you know, the hard part about, you know, believing in God that he's always right. And you can make the best arguments and I can write a thesis about it. And it's still, he's still going to win the argument. Yeah, man, that's, you know, I, the coach in me wants to lean in with an answer for you right there. Cause I, I clearly see it obviously, right. See that objective uh, view. Cause I'm not in that reality right now. Um, but man, that's a lesson you, you want to go have that conversation with God. Yeah. Right. And get that answer from him. Cause then, then you'll get it in your heart, not just your head. And that's where you need to get it. Right. Um, but here's what I would, uh, just say for every listener out there right now who wrestles with a question like Michael just brought up very um, vulnerably and transparently, um, and I've said this on many episodes in the past, if you're asking God a why question, you're probably going to be disappointed with the answer. Shift it to a what question, and you will see God's master plan in all of it, in the pain and the struggle in the patience and the perseverance. God, what am I meant to learn from 12 years or 10 years of going through this with my wife without the diagnosis? What have you been showing me? What have you been teaching me? What have you been preparing me for by stretching me the way you stretched me? See, when you ask the what questions, you'll get answers that will serve you in your life. When you ask the why questions, You'll end up with riddles and puzzles in your head that will just let you down. So just a little shift uh, out there for all you listeners, because the why to what uh, shift in your questions applies to almost every area or any area of your life. So Michael, thank you for setting us up for that. We've been uh, talking with Dr. Michael Jaquith. He, you can find him at catholiclifecoachformen.com, catholiclifecoachformen.com. For all you Protestants listening out there, just because they, he's got the word Catholic in his name, like don't hold it against him. I mean, how real and raw is this guy? Like seriously, the way he showed up today to serve and to give and to love on each person listening right now, don't throw a label on him and throw him in a box and discard him. That's ignorant, right? We're all the same, right? We're following the same God. We're all sons and daughters. Just because we worship God differently doesn't make us enemies. Stop it. Stop it. Love one another. All right, Michael, let's get into it. My favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm excited. Let's go. What's your favorite thing about God? His unending mercy. I have done so many things in my life. So many times I've gone back and his supply of rings and cloaks and sandals seems limitless. <laughs> I love it. What's your least favorite thing about God? The fact that he's always right and that I need so much to get mercy. Like if he just let me win one argument, one time I'd feel so much better. But no, he's always right and he's always good. Yeah, but Boy, then then you would hold it against him. God, remember that one time I was right? How do I know you're right now, this time, right? All right, so Michael, uh, you've already answered this question, but maybe there's something else. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life, just part of the human condition. What are you struggling or challenged with uh, right now in your life, either professionally or personally? You know, I'll, I'll just jump on that professionally. You know, I think one of the things that when I make the transition from the corporate world to the entrepreneurial world, there's a certain amount of 
willingness to surrender that has to happen. You know, when you're in the corporate world, you have this illusion that everything's provided for you. I'm in charge. I set the rules. I earn this money. And you go in the entrepreneurial world and you're like farmers of 200 years ago, where if God doesn't send the rain, you got nothing to eat, right? And so there's a there's a surrender that's part of that. And I don't know if you're like me or listeners can relate to this, but here's how I surrender. God, I give it all to you. It's all yours. And I'm taking it back. Okay, no, no, no. I'll give it back to you. And I'm taking it back. And like, it's just like this perpetual dance. Of that you know surrender. what we call that? We call it boomerang surrender. Boomerang totally. surrender. Perfect you throw it, it out there. It comes flying right back to you because you didn't actually mean it the first time. Totally true. All right. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So surrendering up, right? The business and everything, the outcomes, the money, the income, the profit, God's providence, God's promises. Man, there's a lot that is all intertwined in that. Yeah, for sure. What are you most afraid of? I think I'm most afraid that when my kids leave the house, they have kids of their own. They will look at me in the way that I looked at my father. They won't come back to me for advice. They won't want that connection. And most of all, they won't take the faith that I fought so hard to find for myself. They won't hold on to that. Ooh, bro, that's a lot of weight you're carrying on your shoulders, man. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> you know, listen, if my kids come back to me asking for help when they're adults, I'm going to say sign up and become a client and you're going to pay for it. Let's go. Because <laughs> if you don't pay for it, you won't appreciate it. Let's go. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year, Michael? This past year, I spent way too much being sorry for myself. It's like going back to ADHD diagnosis. I spent too much time going, woe is me, poor me, poor me. And my wife and I, praise the Lord, we're moving a little, starting to move out of that a little bit here. And if I could have that back and put that energy instead into just trying to serve her and love her as she is for who she is, such a better last six months. Well, let's segue into the uh, another question. What's the new habit you're going to create this year then around that? My new habit I'm going to try to create is that when one of those ADHD symptoms flares, I'm going to try to check myself before I say anything about it and express something to her lovingly instead. Awesome. What's a bad habit you're going to break? I think I'm taking the phone too much. It's so easy for me that, you know, I'll be sitting somewhere and like nothing's happening. Boop, phone comes right on up, check the weather, check my email, check. I just start scrolling the apps left and right. Cause I got no other app I really care about. Instead that needs to end. Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? I think secretly down, I fear that people wouldn't love me if they knew me for who I was. Super common fear. It's always still been part of me. Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? I wish I'd learned sooner that his plan really does bring about the right way. I spent 18 years chasing the church of hedonism, hoping to find a little bit of pleasure. And you know what I got? I got empty promises. I got broken hearts. I got a little bit of pleasure, but oh man, it was never worth it. And if I had known sooner that God's way really did deliver, that would have changed my life. Awesome. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Honorable, integrated, and earnest pick three words to describe who you were before you surrendered up your life to god hedonistic selfish and drifting <laughs> off a cliff right we spoke about yeah. that and last question michael if you could come back to life after you died look your family your friends your wife your children in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about god and relationship with him what would you say to them? Compare to the love of God. Every other little argument and disagreement is a little tiny thing. And just keep it in perspective. 
it goes back to the parable of the man forgiven 10,000 talents, finds the fellow servant and gets a big fight over 60 denarii. That is the human life right there. Hmm. All right, Michael, this is a part of the show. You get to give my audience a homework assignment. What's the one action they must take this week? If want, they're serious about like growing, man, they want to heal their family, heal their marriage, right? What do you got for them? Here's the deal. I think most of us Americans were way too comfortable. We're drifting. I want, here's what I want your audience to do. Take out a piece of paper and a pen. I know you know how to use those. I want you to write down one thing in your life that you wish was better and then dream a little bit. What would it look like if it actually were that way? Write that out. Kind of dream a little bit about that and then decide what's one thing you need to do to get it there and do it. Mm. All right. There's your homework assignment, BC Nation. Do you choose to accept this mission? Do you? All right. BC Nation, if you enjoy this show, go to iTunes or Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, go to brokencatholic.com, write a five-star review, do it now, write it about Michael if you loved him and he moved you one step closer in your walk with God. Like, go write a five-star review the same way that uh, my friend here, handle PD6753, PD6753 wrote, great podcast for uh, Catholics and Protestants alike. Joseph Warren is a dynamic speaker <clears throat> and brings great guests on his show, like Michael. And uh, I appreciate his authenticity, energy, and intellect. Awesome. Thank you, PD6753, for your five-star review. Hey, BC Nation, if I like what you write, I'm going to give you a live shout-out right here on the show worldwide. Like, why would you not say yes to this? Go do it now. All right, Michael, how does BC Nation get in touch with you? Listen, there's one man, Michael, there's one man that God just shed some light into his darkness. He wants to take an action. He wants to do it, He, but he's scared still. Like, where does he go to get in contact with you, find out if he can apply to work with you possibly? What do you got for him? So come on over. My website and my podcast are both called Catholic Life Coach for Men www.catholiclifecoachforman.com podcast catholic life coach friend come check it out i will give you a free hour of my life no questions asked we'll talk about it and i want to echo something joseph said earlier you know i put the word catholic in there not to say i don't want to work with Protestants, but to say that my identity and my faith is so important to me that i will shout it out and declare it and i when i first heard broken catholic i felt i'd found a kindred spirit because right now Protestants, catholics we've got to get together as we're squabbling what matters most is being taken away from us like this what unites us is so much more important than what divides us Amen. Amen. Michael, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you, Joseph. You as well. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then 
what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.